0: Welcome to Episode 2 of Disrupting Your Business. I'm your host, Stephen Burns. If you have any recommendations as to people I can interview for this podcast, please send me your suggestions to disrupt at bqe.com. I'm really interested in speaking with people who have done some unusual and interesting things which can be applied to our businesses. This doesn't mean that these ideas and experiences always have to be within a business environment. What's really important is that these ideas might be applied to a business context. For example, later this year, I'll be talking about my personal experiences as an ultra cyclist. That's the sport of ridiculously long bicycle racing. And I'm gonna share with you what I've learned both during my trainings as well as during competitive events, and how these can apply to running a business. Today I'm going to share with you some thoughts that have been rattling around in my brain lately. I'd be interested in hearing your reaction to this, so feel free to comment directly on our podcast page at podbean or shoot an email to disrupt at bqe.com. Speaking of BQE, this podcast is made possible through the generosity of BQE software. BQE provides service professionals with business and project management software that helps drive their business. So let's get started. Lately, I've been reading a lot of science, sociology, and history, and it's not because it's a passion, but there just isn't enough for me to do here at work, and I I need to keep myself out of trouble. Seriously, these are truly fascinating subjects, and they often lead me into thought exercises comparing how our societies, cultures, and religions have developed, and applying this to the state of the business world. More specifically, how we operate and conduct business. Now, I know the average person would read these books and think in more general terms about the human condition, the state of our planet, and how the world can be improved. But for some reason... My primitive mind is like the proverbial hammer, and all I can see are nails. For example, I'd be standing in line at a deli, and I could marvel at the layout of the food counter, the system used to control the line of customers, how the various food ingredients are displayed and contained, the process used to create a sandwich, and how we end up making the exchange of calories for currency and as I exit the shop I'll think to myself well that was pretty strange and if my great-grandfather were alive today and I took him out to lunch he would think he was on another planet. Nothing normal or natural was going on in there but we take it for granted as if it's the most natural thing in the world. We, or humankind, we've had a really interesting journey while it's impossible to accurately predict the future We often look back at history with an indifference that fails to recognize the randomness of events that have gotten us to where we are today. What we believe, our ethics, our habits, our norms, they're really ingrained in our being that to question them would seem as odd as to question our own biology. Nature has spent millennia using natural selection to adapt and evolve our species into the extraordinary creatures we are today. However, it would be audacious to say that nature could have done better. But as just one example, consider the dual function of the pharynx. This is clearly ill-conceived. Using the same pipe for both ingestion and respiration has caused countless deaths from choking. In fact, choking while eating is the fourth leading cause of unintentional injury death. If given the opportunity to remedy this, I am sure nature could arrange distinct anatomical structures, one leading to the lungs and the other leading to the digestive system. And it would save 5,000 lives a year. Now that's not like out-of-the-box thinking. After all, this is precisely what's going on with anthropods and cetaceans like dolphins. Nature was even so thoughtful as to have arranged two distinct breathing frameworks for turtles. When the primary route is blocked or underwater, the turtle has a backdoor route, to put it delicately, for breathing. Biology evolves very slowly compared to technology, governments, and all other systems that comprise our cultures. It's no exaggeration to point out that For most of us, in less than 10 years, we have evolved from being one of over 8 million distinct complex organisms that occupy our planet to becoming the first cyborg. And if you doubt that statement, try and function for any extended period of time without your mobile phone. Nearly all of us have allowed our mobile phones to become as important to our functioning as nearly any of our biological parts. And for those Luddites out there who persist in a few thousand years, they will be the Homo habilis to our Homo cyborg descendants. It has been repeatedly proven that in an evolutionary instant, mankind is capable of making an enormous pivot. We've seen revolutions transform the planet from the first agricultural revolution over 10,000 years ago to the Industrial Revolution, at the start of the 19th century to the digital revolution which really started to take root about 50 years ago. All it takes is one disruptive intervention to create upheaval that can destroy governments, change the lives of billions, and put millions of people out of work. And today we are grappling with an information revolution. As homo sapiens, our direct ancestors have been leaving their footprints for around 200,000 years. When you think about that, try and recognize that for more than 7,500 generations absolutely nothing happened. Our early ancestors spent their first 150,000 years going about their business having about as much of an impact on the planet as the squirrels. It was a very slow awakening taking some 40,000 years before we finally evolved to the point of doing anything of interest. And when we did this, it was no minor feat. In fact, what man did would not only dramatically alter the future of all other humans, but irrevocably impact all life on the planet. And this, of course, was the agricultural revolution. Now, it's not as if someone sat down at a desk some 10,000 years ago and mapped out what the world would be like if we stopped hunting and gathering and instead planted some seeds in the ground, built some huts to shelter us from the weather and animals and then wait around until the seeds became food. There was no ability to understand what the pros and cons of this lifestyle would be. There weren't any SWOT analysis back then. Who could have conceived that this one seemingly simple adjustment could create such havoc? For the first time There would be piles of waste that are natural breeding grounds for contagious diseases. Large concentrations of people enabled diseases to spread and brought epidemics upon us. No one thought about what our domesticated landscapes that displaced wild habitats would be like. Who knew? Do you think if we knew then what we know now, we would have done anything differently? Transitioning from 7,500 generations of nomadic hunter-gatherers to settled societies that experimented with agriculture wasn't an overnight event. It took us thousands of years of micro-adjustments before we figured out how to get to the point where we are today with what is often referred to as the Green Revolution, which is using technology to create high-yielding food varieties. While the agricultural revolution is considered the greatest triumph of man taming nature, I consider this to almost be equivalent to what happened when in 1964, Xerox took a concept that was first invented back in 1846 by a guy named Alexander Bain, and they created the first commercial fax machine. Overnight, it changed everything, but it also set us back decades. If you want to know more about that, read Nicholas Negroponte's Being Digital. Uh, Nicholas is the... Uh, was the founder of MIT's Media Lab and he wrote an amazing book called Being Digital which really has a a chapter that focuses on the damage done by the fax machine. To highlight some amazing data points 37 percent of the Earth's land is used for agriculture and nearly 11 percent is used specifically for crops and in the United States alone over the past 200 or so years, we've lost 95% of our agricultural workforce. So really only 5% of the workforce that once farmed our fields is now creating four times as much food. These are amazing advances, regardless of your feelings about whether this is beneficial or detrimental to the planet and our ecology. And All of this was changed by the availability and affordability of dirty energy combined with manufacturing. And suddenly, not only is an industry upended, but it impacted the family unit. It changed education since children were no longer needed to be at home for farming chores. The ripple effect of this one adjustment in agriculture has impacts that literally change the trajectory for mankind. Now, for 95% of our existence, nothing of note happened. You know, maybe Glog hit Trog on the head with a stick and stole his woolly mammoth blanket, but nothing else anyone did impacted the lives of others. Societies and tribes were small, insulated communities of around 50 people, and best estimates place the Earth's population back in the year 10,000 B.C. at around 2.4 million people. That means there was close to 50,000 totally distinct and independent societies. As time marches on, we are becoming closer to one tribe. Now, even if I grant you that each of the current 195 countries could be considered their own tribe, the distinctions between them are few, and while the connections are plenty. Where we were once tens of thousands of distinct societies, Today we're really just a handful. Whether or not we ever become a single tribe under a single government, it's impossible to predict. But with each passing century, we get closer to a state of singularity. What I find most interesting about this is as we come together, we have a common interest in mutual safety and success. After all, trading partners really have no interest in destroying the others since they rely on each other. We no longer live in a zero sum culture. Recognizing this means we really need to reevaluate many of our a priori systems and adapt to mesh with the direction we are trending. In business, it's not uncommon to hear about this dog eat dog world. This is no longer applicable. The implication is that you need to do whatever it takes, even if you have to cheat or lie your way to the front. And do this at the expense and by harming your competitor. It's a holdback from that zero-sum worldview. I'm going to be making the case that in business, we are at a point of disruption. It is going to be necessary for every business to pivot towards the new age and retire their old business wars mentality. It wasn't until the mid-19th century that corporations even came into existence. That means... The systems we take for granted today that drive both private and public companies didn't even exist 150 years ago. Modern humans have been adapting for 7,500 generations, and only the past six generations have had the presence of formalized business. Certainly we have a lot of catching up to do in order to fully manage what it's like to flourish in this type of environment. We have a lot more evolution ahead of us before we get this business thing optimized. Frankly, business could benefit from no less than the same evolutionary attention as that which developed our inner ear. If you look back 100 years ago, the 10 most valuable companies in the United States were in the steel, oil, and agricultural industries. 50 years ago, it wasn't much different. However, today, of the 10 most valuable companies on our planet, 5 are in technology and two are in banking. Anyone hazarding a guess as to what the list will look like in 50 years is just blowing smoke. It might be tech. It, it could be renewable energy. Maybe it will be autonomous devices like cars and drones and robots. Maybe it will be healthcare. Frighteningly, it could be air and water. It most certainly won't be oil whatever they will be, how they function is going to need to evolve beyond the primitive and inefficient 20th century frameworks that are currently in fashion. That's enough for one day, but I think if you have any comments on what I've been talking about, please send your thoughts to me at disrupt at bqe.com. Until next time, this is Stephen Burns for Disrupting Your Business.